Father, we give our hearts to you. I pray that you would search us. If there's any offensive way in us, we repent. We give our hearts, our distractions, our annoyances, our uh, frustrations, our questions, our confusions. We give all of the, the mixed bag of who we are. We give it to you, Lord. We thank you for the songs. We, we know that worship is the key. Uh, we pray that we would, uh, you would quiet all the noise and we could just kneel before your feet, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would speak. I give you this time, Lord. Encourage your people. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked uh, Brother Abraham if he wanted to preach when he came, when I saw him, and I was only half joking. Uh, sometimes you wake up and you just don't want to go to work, and I was feeling that way today. I just, I just, I have something. Uh, yeah, maybe I have something to say, but but you know, just some days you just don't want to say it. And uh, this week was a, a, a tiring week, not because I was working so much, but just things that God is putting me through and questions I've been asking him so it's been one of those weeks so I, I, I pray that God would bring it all together in this time I think we're going to talk about obedience today so uh, we'll start um, we'll start with Saul uh, maybe some snapshots or Saul Possibly we'll talk about Jonah, Martha, and the elder son in the prodigal son story. If I just throw out those four snapshots, does any, any theme emerge to you? Saul, Jonah, Martha, the elder son of the prodigal son. Anything? Obedience, yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Amen. That's right. Repentance. Repentance. Yes. Peter. I think they all had some idea what it meant to follow God, and then when it didn't like that, got upset. Yes. Yes. Got upset when uh, their idea of following God was a little different from what the Lord had. Joshua. It was jealousy. Jealousy. Yes. Failures. What's that? Failures. Failed leaders? Failure. Failure, failures, failures, yes, yes. Not yes. they work up, but they have failures. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. God is connecting some dots. Anything else? In 1 Samuel 15, God told Saul through the prophet, um, prophet Samuel, to entirely wipe out the enemies of Israel, the Amalekites. And that included every man, woman, child, even infants, and livestock, animals. With God's help, Saul was successful. Uh, but he spares the Amalekite king, uh, Agog, Agag, and he keeps some of the best animals. And, and obviously, God is not pleased and, and inspires uh, Samuel to confront 
Saul, and uh, it's clear that when, when God asks us to do something, uh, partial obedience is not obedience. You can do even 99%, but unless you go all the way, God is not pleased. He wants 100% obedience. And when, when, he, when Saul is confronted, he, he says, Well, I was about to sacrifice all these animals to the Lord. And uh, the famous verse comes out, To obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is easy. Uh, you sacrifice whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, the amount of sacrifice and the timing of the sacrifice, it really is up to you. But obedience is 100% up to God. He tells you when, He tells you how much, and He tells you how to do it. And when He gives you that word, our only response should be, Yes, Lord, I will do it immediately. Jonah, another snapshot that the Lord has been showing me this week. Um, it says in Jonah 3, verse 10, When God saw... Uh, what they did, how they, this is the Ninevites, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them, and He did not do it. And then in the following chapter, Jonah 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? If somebody that you knew uh, said these kinds of things, that I am so angry, I want to die, we would say, well, I think you should talk to somebody. This is very serious. Um, you know, we have certain pictures of what we think is a serious thing. Uh, if there is mental uh, instability, emotional instability, we have labels for it, schizophrenia, bipolar. There's these categories that we have. And we say, these people are in serious trouble. But Jonah is, is maybe, uh, we might think it's not as serious, but it is very serious. What, what Jonah is expressing in his heart is very serious. And, and to God, it's, it's you know, we, we, we put little categories and we say, you know, only the big issues in terms of degree, those are the problems. But if it's small, it's not that big of a deal. But to the Lord, it, He doesn't look at degrees. Everything is, is, uh, is a sin to Him. So we, we say, okay, if you're a murderer, you're disqualified from leader, leadership in the church. If you committed adultery, you're disqualified from leadership in the church. But if you have hatred in your heart, we can deal with that. It's not a, not a big deal that you have hatred. If you have sexual immorality, some thoughts here and there, that doesn't disqualify you. You're, you're welcome here. You can serve. See, we put these categories and we say, okay, it's, it's a matter of degree. And if it's not that bad... Then, and then we'll give it a pass. I don't think that's how God looks at it. He doesn't look at it in terms of degree. He just looks at the heart. Like, what is the root? What is coming out? And him being angry is a serious thing. And him saying, I want to die. Uh, suicidal thoughts out of, out of depression, out of anger. We say, that's serious. 
But Jonah, he's just saying it. It's just words. He doesn't really mean it. No, this is a very serious uh, a prophet who has gone wayward, and God is trying to reach him. Uh, Jonah, he continues, and God is trying to teach him a lesson. And one thing I learned from Jonah is um, we might think that God cares about uh, the ministry we do for Him, uh, but really God cares about us. Uh, his priority is us, and He wants us to do well. Before He can, uh, uh, before He thinks past you and what you're going to do for Him and how many people you're going to lead to Christ. Uh, Jonah, I mean, God could have used other prophets to save Nineveh. Did you know Hosea was a contemporary? Did you know Amos was a contemporary? He could, these are healthy prophets. So why not send them to Nineveh? Why, why Jonah? It didn't have to be Jonah. But to God, God was, was way more interested in, in, in dealing with Jonah's heart because he cared for Jonah way more than what Jonah could do for him. I think every obedience... Um, Every obedience is an opportunity uh, for us to, uh, to see what's in our heart. Um, and I think all of our obedience is tied to our individual final salvation. Uh, if there's something that's tripping us up, God is going to make you obey something, maybe something you don't want to do because He wants things to come out. All of our obedience, I think, is tied to our final salvation. I think it's also tied to the salvation of others. Like we obey God in these little things that we think, oh, it's about the job or it's about uh, moving to this city. We think it's about uh, something so small, but God sees the bigger picture. In the end, He won't care what job you had. He won't care how much money you had. He won't care uh, these little things that for us it matter so much. We think this is the, the bread and butter of, of discipline, of, of obedience. But the bigger play here from God's perspective is our obedience is tied to our individual final salvation. And if there are things that He wants to address in our heart, He's going to ask us to do things that we don't want to do. And also that, that obedience will lead to... To the, to the salvation of other, other people. And God deals with Jonah in the subsequent verses. Uh, there God allows, and, and, and this is three times that God appoints something. First, He appoints a plant to grow. And Jonah is happy. He's so happy about the plant. And it, it reminds me of, of, of us. We get so happy at this little, little thing, not knowing that there's a bigger story going on here. We're happy that we have some shade. God appointed it, and it was for a purpose. And then God appoints a worm. And this worm uh, destroys the plant. And what happens to to Jonah is again, he is so angry and he says, it's better that I die. The same anger, the same suicidal tendency, the same depression, like I just don't want to deal with life. This is a serious issue. Um, and this is somebody who is being used of God. This is a prophet who did an amazing thing, an entire city was, came to faith. An amazing repentance that he witnessed and the miracle of the fish and, and being vomited out of the fish and his skin must have been pale from the stomach acid that was eating him up. All of this amazing testimony and still Jonah is like this. He's so happy about the plant. He's so angry about the worm. He wants to die. 
And then God says, um, he, he appointed the plant, He appointed the worm, then He appoints a scorching east wind. And all of this is by design. God is dealing with the heart of His prophet. And what comes out of, uh, of that east wind is, is no longer there's a shade, there's this heat, the sun is scorching, and he is, uh, he is again angry enough to die. And the Lord says, and this is God's very accurate choice of words here, He says, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, and nor did you make it grow, which came into being an, in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? There is some wound in Jonah's heart. For him to respond this way, when, when a prophet just hears words from the Lord, it's, and, and it's, it's, it's thus saith the Lord, it's with that type of intensity and, and, and confidence that God is telling me to do something. And for him to, instead of going to Nineveh, to flee to Tarshish, to opposite, opposite direction, there must be some type of deep-seated hatred uh, toward these Ninevites. And God is dealing with it. And, and, and He's saying, you, were, you had pity on the plant. God is very, uh, He's using that word in very precisely because He wants to show, I have pity on people. I have pity on the Ninevites. I want all 120,000 people to come to faith. I have pity on you, Jonah. I don't want you to continue to serve me in this way. I don't want you to forfeit, possibly forfeit your salvation. There are things in your heart I want to deal with, Jonah. And I pity you as much as I pity the 120,000 Ninevites who just came to faith. And, and Jonah is, is pitying the plant. And that is su such misplaced pity. He should pity himself, the state that he's in. He should pity the 120,000 people that he did not want to preach to. And gr begrudgingly he went to and God still did a miracle. He should have pity over people and, and himself. And then Martha, Luke chapter 10. Another person who was serving the Lord. Saul was serving the Lord. Jonah was serving the Lord. Now Martha was serving the Lord. We know that this dinner party is, is, is the will of God. Because Jesus is there. If Jesus is there, without a doubt, this is the will of God. He, she has to be hospitable. She has to prepare the food. She has to uh, get this dinner party going. And so this is the will of the Lord. And she is a servant of the Lord. She is serving Jesus directly. And what happens is that she is um, she's angry. She's distracted. Uh, when it says, she, uh, um, it says she is distracted in verse 40. Uh, because she is, sees all the work she needs to do. She looks at her no good sister who is not helping her, the lazy sister just sitting at Jesus' feet, not helping while she's in the kitchen. Uh, she, there's a lot of judgment uh, in, in Martha's heart. And when it says distracted, she's drawn away. And that's what distraction does. Um, it's not like the, the, the issue uh, in and of itself, the thing that you're interested in or you care about. That's not the issue. 
The issue is because of these cares, concerns, distractions, you are pulled away from that which is most important. And the most important is we see in the posture of Mary. She is sitting at Jesus' feet. We sang about that. It is, it is worship. It is Jesus. He is the focal point. He should be our chief desire. But, but here, uh, Martha is distracted more uh, about um, putting on a, a good dinner, dinner party. She is concerned about her image. She is concerned about uh, making sure all the guests are well fed. She, she um, uh, has these judgments against her sister and she is angry and um, she is being pulled away from that which is most important. And she is now about, in, she actually, in, in the, the next part of that verse, verse 40, she actually bosses around Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha is not in a good place. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. She is anxious, she is distracted, she is divided, she is not whole. There's many cares that she has. And, and when we uh, get into this mindset, even as ministers, we, we, we prioritize the service and, and putting on the show and, and, and making sure everything runs smoothly on a Sunday. Uh, if that becomes our focal point, we quickly get drawn away from the whole reason why we're here. We're here to worship. We're here to uh, acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Um, so when it comes to obedience, what the Lord is showing me is the timing is important um, because for Saul, uh, he had to do something and he had to do it right then and there. It was not okay if he said, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to kill the king in the livestock. I'll go do it now. No, it had to be, the timing was now. You do it completely. Um, also, what we do is up to the Lord. Do, because... Um, many times we God asks us to do th something like Jonah and it's the last thing uh, in the face of this earth that we want to do there are 99 other things which is why we gravitate towards sacrifice because we call the shots we give what we want when we want and, and we obey in the ways in, in which we want but God is so wise that he waits he prepares you like he prepared Moses like Moses was prepared for 40 years for this one assignment and at age 40 he was ready to go he was ready to be the deliverer of the people he, he got in, in the in the he tried to uh, reconcile uh, uh, these Hebrew fellow countrymen who were fighting and he, he and he and he killed an Egyptian uh, uh, taskmaster and, and he was ready at age 40 in his own way uh, which was the wrong way to be a deliverer and God puts him uh, in the back burner and he had to, to wait for 40 years and then when it's time to do it Moses doesn't want to do it you know the story of the, the burning bush and, and all the excuses that Moses uh, gave it's like you wanted to do it 40 years ago now God is saying it's time to do it Moses and Moses says uh, I can't speak can you send somebody else uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid uh, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, up for this 
And so God, he, he's, His timing is, is perfect. Uh, his choice of who to do the assignment is perfect. And, what, and the, the, the specific instructions that He gives for the obedience is perfect. And as people of God, as ministers, servants of God, we are to follow Him when He says it, uh, according to His timing, His way, and what He says. Martha is uh, distracted. She is also troubled. This, is, this could be fear, stricken with fear. This could also be uh, annoyances and agitation. And don't we uh, go through life with these cares, uh, these annoyances, these agitations, when clearly God told us to do something, and then, and then in the beginning we had a good attitude, and then we start doing it, and then we start getting distracted, we start getting annoyed, and we lose the whole heart of God. And then Luke 15. The reason why I think the star of the prodigal son story is called the, the subheading, which is not inspired. <laughs> this is not the Holy Spirit saying it's the parable of, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, and the lost son or the prodigal son. It, it should, actually, the star of that story is, uh, or the focal point, I should say, of that story is not the prodigal son. It is the elder son. The first two, uh, it, well, for, first of all, in Luke 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so these uh, three parables are in response uh, to, uh, to this audience who is criticizing Jesus for eating with sinners. And already you see the posture of these Pharisees. They put themselves above. They think they are more righteous. They think they're more moral. They think they are the, the leaders of, of spiritually. And then the others are much below them, and they're the sinners. And Jesus is actually fellowshipping with them. So what's wrong with Jesus? And to that kind of heart, Jesus gives these three parables. And the point of, of, of the lost sheep is that the 99 righteous people, they need no repentance. Whereas the, the lost sheep who is found is a picture of repentance. And there is, a, there is joy. The, the, friend, the, the person who finds the lost sheep gathers friends and neighbors and, and says, Rejoice with me. That is the heart of God. When one person repents, there is rejoicing. Probably the, the, the most overjoyed God is with His people is when we repent. And, of course, uh, we become more and more like Jesus as we repent and as we, we get changed over time. But if you can repent, that is probably one of the highlights of, of your day. God, God and all of, of, of the angels in heaven rejoice when there is repentance uh, in one of God's people. And when we do not repent, we are in the category of the 99 who don't think they need to repent and there is zero joy in heaven for such a person. Again, similarly, the lost coin. The lost coin is found. 
the person gathers friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice! All of heaven rejoices. The Father rejoices. The Son rejoices. The Spirit rejoices. All angels are rejoicing. And so he's telling the Pharisees, Can't you rejoice? Why can't you rejoice? What's wrong with you? What, what's in your heart that you cannot rejoice when there's repentance? And then the parable of the prodigal son story. The elder son here is somebody who is serving faithfully in the father's house. He is what you would call a believer. He is a churchgoer. He is in the presence of the father in his house. And he is serving but he's serving in the wrong way and with the wrong heart. And when God rejoices at his younger son, the prodigal returning, uh, he expects this elder son to rejoice. But this elder son cannot rejoice. And that's the point of this parable. That's the point of all three parables. He's speaking to Pharisees who cannot rejoice as sinners who repent. And they think they don't need repentance. And what is, this is similar. Uh, you see this in Jonah. You see this in Martha. Now you're seeing it again in the elder son. He is angry. He is judgmental. He is religious. Uh, he is... Um, he simply cannot understand why the father rejoices. This no good son who wasted everything, doesn't deserve it, just like Jonah. Ninevites, they don't deserve God's mercy. I knew God, you're so merciful. That's why I didn't want to go. This same, it's the same heart. The prodigal son, the, the elder son of the prodigal, Jonah's heart, Martha's heart. It's the same heart. It's a heart that cannot rejoice. Martha should have rejoiced at seeing Mary. She understands the heart of God. What's wrong with me? I should learn from my younger sister. He, she cannot rejoice. The elder son, you, of, of course, if you put yourself in his shoes, you would, you would hope that you would rejoice. But if you are a dutiful person, you've been working hard, and this no good uh, uh, younger brother of yours gets treated this graciously when he just blew all the inheritance and I didn't even once get a party. It's not so hard to imagine that we would act in a very similar way as this elder son who's been at the father's side faithfully all these years. And so it's a hard issue. Um, you know, it's interesting, God, he, he asks us to do something, and we want to do it. And God sees, the heart is not right, and he says, wait. And so you wait. And then God says, okay, promotion is coming. And God says, okay, it's time now. And then suddenly there's a part of, part of all of us who say, actually, I don't want to do it anymore. I've been waiting this long. I've been asking for it. Now the promotion is on the horizon. And part of me wants to do it. Of course, I've been waiting for this. Of course, all of us, we are waiting for something from the Lord that He wants to give us. And there's a part of us that says, yes, I've been waiting for this. 
And then it's just, well, Lord, there's just going to be a lot more work. <laughs> it's going to be a lot more headaches, more people to deal with. And I'm not sure, Lord, I want to do it anymore. Like Moses, it's like he was, he was raring to go at age 40. He had a lot of zeal, but he would do it in the wrong way. God waited to humble him through life and raising a family. And just a quiet season of waiting. And then when it's time to go, you would think he's ready. He's not ready. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's very comfortable and you know, just wants to go back to his farm or something. And it's funny how the Lord, His timing is perfect. His, his assignment is perfect. His choice of who He wants to do it is perfect. Even if there's a better choice, you are the perfect choice for this specific assignment. And if there are things that are get, get exposed, which they will, no matter what He asks us to do, because He exposed our heart during waiting, when we're just, just crying out to heaven, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting for the rain to come. It's not coming. And there's things that God exposes. And then when it's time to go, God exposes more. And this is, uh, this is Saul's story. This is Jonah's story. Martha's story. The elder son's story. I think it is all of our story. God is really interested in our heart. And for us to... For us to do obedience, uh, we need to learn how to do it. It is not natural. Even Jesus had to learn obedience through, what he's, through suffering. And when you uh, are asked to do something from the Lord, He will show you very clearly uh, the, the condition of your soul. And if your soul is not well, even if mentally you want to do it, you simply cannot because you are getting in the way. Of the work uh, and it is it is my prayer um, that God will search our soul and our hearts and our mind that's not renewed may it be renewed today our emotions that are out of whack that are not expressing the joy of the Lord the peace of the Lord uh, I pray that the Lord starts fixing our emotions our will that should be surrendered and we should be ready to obey instead of being so uh, carnal and, and just so self-centered and so stubborn that will needs to bend okay let's pray Father you keep on showing us things in our heart that we did not know were there. We are a um, paradox. We want to do it, and then you tell us to do it, and then we don't want to do it. There are things that we want to do that are not from you. We just sacrifice and sacrifice. We never asked, Lord, is this the obedience you have for us? Obedience is much harder. We need to learn your timing, your way, your assignment, what to do, how much to do, how long to do, when to do, all of these are up to you. But Lord, we don't want to do it this way. It's so much harder to do it your way, according to your timing. We want to do it our way. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, you show us the condition of our heart whenever you tell us to do something. Often it's not what we want, when we want it. And you show us the state of our hearts. 
We pray that you would minister to our soul today. We repent of all soulishness, of a mind that is so easily distracted. We pray that we can have a mind that is redeemed, renewed, restored. Emotions that are harsh and annoyed and restless and anxious and lacking peace, we pray you would redeem, restore, cover, cleanse, and sanctify our emotions so that we can have a joy of the Lord as our strength, so that we can have the peace of the Prince of Peace, so we can rejoice when sinners repent. We can have the heart of God and not the heart of man, not the heart of a religious person that only judges and criticizes and cannot rejoice, simply cannot rejoice. We don't want to be like that anymore. anymore. Forgive us for our stubborn will that insists on our way and our timing. May it not be so, Lord. We bend our will to you. Not our will, but your will be done. We surrender before you. We surrender before you. We humble ourselves before you. We want to learn how to obey. It is not natural, Lord. It is not natural. We need to learn through suffering as Jesus learned through suffering. Even as the sinless, perfect Son of Man, He had to learn this one thing, obedience. And so, Lord, we want to be obedient servants. Not like Saul, but fully obedient right away, immediately. With the right heart. All obedience is tied to our salvation and the salvation of others. Give us this uh, clear sense that all that we do has a, has a bigger drama. It's not about the little assignment or the task. It is about our salvation and the salvation of this world. I pray that you minister to your people. Minister to your people as we bring our soul before you. I pray that you would come and meet us as we remember your body that was broken, symbolized by the bread, and your blood shed, symbolized by the cup. Lord, we examine our soul and our heart before you during this time. I pray that you would meet us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would reveal things in our hearts that we're not even aware are there. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come forward. In the beginning, uh, Pastor Ray said, if there's anything we're, we're thankful for, you know? So he spoke to me. Uh, something that I'm really thankful for, last time I shared, you know, it's like my struggle with the court system. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I don't want to say that it's corrupt, but it's corrupt. And um, one of the things that I'm really grateful for, you know, I, I did a... God puts us in these situations where... He put me in a situation where I wanted to always make a difference in this world. You know, growing up in Wilmington, you know, there's a, there's there's like a lot of drugs, a lot of sometimes shootings, especially by the time when I was a teenager. And I'm like, I want to make a difference in this world. So how can I make the difference? And I, I became a teacher. But then being a teacher is really tough. So now God puts me in this situation where, 
where I see the corruption in, in the system, and now what does that lead to? It leads to two DUIs. Why those two DUIs? Because I'm stressed, don't know how to figure out the system, my next move, and uh, being stressful, two DUIs. So you know, this year, in the beginning, uh, I came across David's fast, and it's, um, so I did actually uh, 27 days, and uh, you know, God's put these beautiful things in our in our way, our experiences, and sometimes we think like, why me? Like, why me? Like, why are you putting me through this stuff? And there's a lot of anger, a lot of emotion, and you know what? I just surrender. I said, you know what, Amen. God? Amen. You put me in this situation, and you know something that I, that, I, that I was I was I was hearing Pastor Ray say, you know, God has a way to help you. And, and you know, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God, you know, because I did believe in God at one point. Then I went to college, and it's like totally brainwashed me. There's no <laughs> God, you know? And if you believe in God, in philosophy, and in, in those sociology, you're weak. It's like, what? I don't want to be weak. Uh, you know what? But I realized, you know what? Mm. I'm going to say this last thing, two things. One is that I was thinking back um, in my case, you know, because there was something that God did um, to help me out. Basically, because there's a statute of limitations when it comes to credit cards. So what happens is, if you don't pay your credit card for four years, you keep in mind, 2008, I crashed. I didn't pay my credit card so I could pay my, my mortgage. And um, God prevented certain escrows from closing. Because had they closed, I would have been... You know, I, it wouldn't have been a, a good situation for me in the court. And how did he do it? And he's like, this has never been done in 20 years. Well, the escrow paperwork uh, got stuck in the machine. in like where they put the envelopes. It's like, and the escrow officer, that's weird. It's never happened to in 20 years. Who did that? God. And so that's one thing I want to say. The last thing I want to say is, you know, God... You know, after, you know, doing a 27-day fast, it was just going to be 21. I just kept going until my mom, you know, she was really cute. You know, I got these burritos. <laughs> okay, mom, I can't say no to you. Do you, do you, do you how do you say no to your mom? So then, uh, you know, the last thing I want to say is like, you know, I hear all these things about the fish, you know. It's like, I'm like, you know what? I was just for 21 days, no, no, no meat, no dairy, no, uh, no sweeteners, no wheat. Uh, and, and of course, no alcohol. And so, I, I mean, I was like, wow, this feels so amazing, so great. And I'm like, why hadn't I done this before? The reason I hadn't done this before, because when I would think about a fast, I would think about giving up uh, all, like just a water fast. I'm like, how can you live like that for 30 days, 40 days? So, it's just the power of the knowledge, knowing God. I put all these beautiful things for us in our, in, you know, so we can... Uh, help our mind, body, and soul, and I'm just so grateful for my experience. I'm so grateful for believing that there is a God, and um, you know, Pastor Ray, thank you very much for letting me say what I'm thankful for. Thank you very amen, much. Amen.